Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Pure Hope with your host, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. Hope is the name the angels gave Reverend Gorman. Help open planetary eyes. And that's what we hope to do on Pure Hope. Thank you for joining us. Hello, hello everyone. I want to thank you for joining me on the Pure Hope show this evening. This is a pre-recorded show, so there will be no phone calls coming in on our program this evening, which is wonderful because the flow will go very smooth. And we will have time, more time to speak to our special guest tonight. Here it is, already the holiday season, and all of life is a sacred adventure, is it not? The energy is so very high right now, and we see that every day we encounter is actually a holy day. When we look around, we will see signs that point to the active presence of spirit in our life and in the world around us. I'm so excited to be speaking this evening to Echo Bodim because she is dedicated, passionate, and seasoned. She has been dedicated to her journey of helping people for a very long time. She and I and so many others who have been doing this work, we have withstood the test of time when it comes to doing spirit work. So it is an honor to be doing this interview with her tonight. Here is but a bit of information about Echo. Echo Bodine first discovered that she was born with psychic abilities with the gift of healing at the age of 17. Her abilities include clairvoyance, which is seeing, clairaudience, which is hearing, clairsensence, which is sensing, and clairgustance, which is smell. She took psychic classes for two years and practiced on her friends and family for about 12 years before beginning her full-time practice as a psychic, a healer, and a ghostbuster in 1979. In 1981, Echo began teaching classes on psychic development and spiritual healing. She has appeared on many, many numerous national television shows, including Sally, Jesse, Raphael, Sightings, Beyond with James Von Prague, NBC's The Other Side, Unexplained Mysteries, NBC's Today Show, A&E, and Encounters, Paranormal Borderline did a whole feature story on her family, calling them the world's most psychic family, and that's why I call this um, show tonight, It Runs in the Family, a Psychic Affair. Echo also hosted her own cable TV show called New Age Perspectives for two years and co-hosted the show The Edge TV. She also had her own radio show on FM 107 in Minneapolis for three years called Intuitive Living and Paramount Pictures asked her services for the promotion of the movie Ghost and I think that most of us have seen that and heard that movie. From 2003 to the present, Echo has been the director of a very successful center for spiritual development where she teaches numerous classes on spiritual development Living by Intuition, Ghostbusting, Psychic Development, and Laying on Hands and Healing Classes. In 2010, she began doing an online psychic development classes with instructor Lee Hopkins on the, and I think I'll pronounce this right, the uh, Viva Institute in Brazil. So help me welcome this very dedicated, very talented and gifted Echo Bodine to the Pure Hope Show. Hello, Echo. How are you? Oh, my goodness. What an introduction. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm very good. Well, wow. it's very, very impressive, and it just shows your ability to um, just um, move your spirit forth and um, be known in so many different um 
ways, in so many different ways. So it's such an honor to be talking to you this evening. Oh, Janice, thank you. What a sweetheart you are. Thank you. Yes. Well, I am interested in how you discovered your um, gifts. Uh, exactly, could you tell our audience how this started happening to you and what started opening you up to those gifts? Oh, sweetie, you know what? It's uh, It was quite an interesting story um, because we, I mean, okay, I was 17 years old, a senior in high school. I was very shy, and uh, my family, we were Presbyterians, okay? We didn't, we didn't talk about this stuff. My grandma, my mom's Mother used to talk about going down to the to see the gypsies down by the river, um, and so that was about the most paranormal stuff that we had in our family. We did, we just didn't talk about it, you know. Just, just I don't know, just wasn't part of our family. And um, I had a a brother who was taking drumming lessons, and every night after dinner he would go downstairs and practice on his drum set, and he was. He was kind of in the beginning stages, so he sounded pretty rough. And um, the rest of us were still sitting around the dinner table. We had finished eating, but we were we were all just talking about our day. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> the nicest music came from downstairs. And we all just looked at our dad, and dad said, I don't know, it must be the record I bought him. And we just sat there listening. I mean, the music was... Oh, Talk about a professional drummer. That was, That's yeah. what was happening downstairs. And then all of a sudden, my brother came running up the stairs and said, did you hear it, did you hear it, did you hear it? And we said, yeah, what was it? And he said, a white figure floated through the door, across the room, put its hands on top of my brother's hands. Oh, my. And, yeah, I know. And played the music. And he said, I tried to drop my sticks. He said, I had my eyes closed and I could still see him. And he said, and then he uh, floated across the room and out the door. And my brother said, and that's when he dropped his sticks and ran upstairs. And he was so upset, Janice. It was like, okay, he's not making this up, you know. And so, of course, we're all wondering, what the heck was that? And... uh my mom was in a prayer group at the time, and one of the women had mentioned to her that she went to a psychic in St. Paul. I mean, back then in 1965, you know, you had to know somebody who knew somebody who yes. knew a, You know, I mean, Janice, yes. you know, it, 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 it just, it was kind of like an underground thing still back then. And, <clears throat> excuse me, so... Mom called her friend and said, okay, I need the name of that psychic because we just had a really weird thing. Okay, so here comes weird thing number two. She calls the psychic, whose name was Mrs. Olson, and she says, Mrs. Olson, my name is May Bodine. And Mrs. Olson says, yes, Mrs. Bodine, I've been expecting your phone call. She says, your son just met his guardian angel, Dr. Fitzgerald. And... The doctor is going to teach him how to play the drums. He's going to teach him many different things. And she said, this happened for a reason. I need to see you <clears throat> excuse me, and your oldest daughter for a psychic reading. And mom, mom basically said, okay, I'll get back to you on this. I mean, she was so freaked out and said, <laughs> I'll call you back. And she got off the phone and told us. And... We're like, what? A guardian angel plays the drums? What? And, you know, Janice, it didn't bring comfort to any of us, to tell you the truth. It was like, oh, my gosh, what has happened here? And um, we ended up going, just out of curiosity, I think, uh, about maybe two weeks later, we decided, okay, let's go see this lady and see what she wanted. And so we went and saw her, and that is when she told me that, I was born with all four of the psychic abilities and with the gift of healing. And she said that I would um, that <clears throat> I would write many, many books and that I would be on TV and radio and I would travel around the world. And Janice, believe me, when I say I was a shy girl, I was very shy. And I'm sitting there thinking, how in the world is this ever going to happen? And... Um, I said to her, you know, okay, here's the thing. 
uh, first thing, first of all, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any of this stuff. And secondly, I don't want any of this stuff. I just want to have a nice, normal life. And she said, you can have a normal life in your next life. In this life, this is what you're here to do. And I just, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Hmm. And, um, and then, okay, make a long story short. Um, she also told me, she said, I, there's two things I have to tell you about the gift of healing. One, don't ever forget that it's God that works through you. And two, always use white hankies underneath your hands when you're channeling healing. And she said, you will learn why and you will learn many, many things on your own. And then you will teach others how to do this work. Okay, she says to me, your father's at home with a migraine headache, which he was, and Janice, that was the only day in my life that I had seen my dad come home from work with a, from not feeling good. Even when he was sick, he would go to work. And that day, he came home early and he went to bed. And, uh, and he had never had a migraine before. So it was all just kind of strange that there's dad laying in bed. We go off to the psychic. So she tells me to go home, put a couple hankies on top of my dad's head, and ask God to work through me. And so when we got home, I asked Dad if I could do this, and he said, just don't hurt my head. And I said, okay. And I put my hands on, I put the hankies on his head, I put my hands on top, and my hands heated up like little heating pads. And and then after maybe two minutes, they cooled off all by themselves, and and my dad said, well, I'll be darned if my headache isn't gone. And that started wow. the whole thing. Wow, mm. wow, wow. So mm-hmm. tell me about why that um, hankies. Do you know why oh. the hankies underneath your hand? You know, honey, that, that is such a good question. And it's almost like there's multiple answers because... I bet, yeah. You know, one, first of all, I've never uh, I've never absorbed any any kind of negative energy uh, or illness from my clients. Um, and I don't know if that's because of the hankies. I know other healers that have never used hankies, and they do absorb things from their clients. But, again, it could just be a coincidence. Um, what I've noticed in the summertime is when I'm doing a healing, my hands heat up really hot in the summertime, and they sweat. And so, you know, in that way, it's protecting people from uh, the moisture on my hands. But the other thing that I have found that is just fascinating to me is that I had a lady come for a reading, and she came to Minnesota from Hawaii, and she said she was really bummed that her husband couldn't come with her, but he had a chronic stomach problem, and she said it really flared up before the trip, and he had to stay home. Well, while doing the reading, the guides that work with me told me to go grab a couple of hankies, and they said, fill these hankies up with healing energy while you're doing the reading, and then send the hankies home with her and have her husband put these on his stomach. And I I had never heard that before. So, you know, I looked at my guides like, are you guys for real? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah. And so I said to the lady, I told the lady what they said, and she said, well, I'm not going to be home for two weeks. And I looked at the guides, and they said, that doesn't matter. It'll be fine. Well, Janice, this was this was interesting too. They told me to take a stone and put it in the middle of the hankies, and then kind of roll them up, roll the hankies up in a ball, and put a rubber binder around them. And then they said, "Now put it in an envelope and send it home with her." And I said, "Okay." And I said, "Let me know how it goes." Well, she told me that when she got home two weeks later, they. Um, took off the uh the uh, the uh rubber binder and the stone was very warm and the hankies were still hot and so she said she put them on her stomach's husband her, her husband's stomach and she said echo the pain went away and he hasn't had any since so janice what's cool about that is that then in the future after that there were many times where for example i had a nun who would drive over from wisconsin she had cancer 
And so she came over, her first visit, she came over, and she said, Echo, I don't have much longer to live. I've got maximum six months. But she said, I would just like to get a healing soul that I have enough energy to do everything I want to do before I pass away. So I had the hankies, and what I do is I put them all over the body where I think I might be guided to work. And I, afterwards, I thought, you know what, I think I'm going to send these home with her so that she doesn't have to drive back and forth. And so I did. I I gathered up, there were about seven hankies. I gathered them all up. I put them in an envelope, and I just said, okay, Anne, anytime you need a healing or every day when you go to bed, put your hankies in the area. I think she had stomach cancer. And um and she's and I said, and then send them back to me when they feel empty. And when I said that to her, Janice, I didn't even really know what I was saying, but it was just words that were coming out of my mouth. And she did that for, I think it was four years. She would send me back the hankies, and I would fill them up with healing, and then I would send them back to her. And she said that the healings took the pain away from the cancer, and she lived for another four years. Wow. wow. I know. Yes. Isn't that well, cool? It, it is cool. It, that's a great reason why your teacher told you to use hankies. That makes a oh, lot I know. of sense to yep. me. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. yes. Well, tell me a little bit about, you know, I thought it was interesting when they talked about uh, you being kind of talked about as the most psychic family and one of the most psychic families in the world. So can you tell us a little bit more about your family members who are psychic? And maybe all of them are psychic. I don't know. And Yes. My mom, uh, she just passed away in 2012, but she was an excellent psychic. And my brother, Michael, is an excellent psychic. He... You know, Mom and I took classes together, Janice, but my my brother Michael, he never really needed to take classes. He just started being psychic when he was around eight years old. And then my sister, Nikki, she does medium work, and she's also a healer. So in a family of six, uh, four of us had it really, really strong. And then our dad, you know... <clears throat> He kind of dabbled in it, but he he was kind of interested, but not really interested. And then my other brother is a uh, uh, fundamentalist, and so he just kind of stays to himself, doesn't really mm-hmm. get that involved with the family. Hmm. So, yeah, there are four of us. Do you think that people who have psychic abilities like you and your mom um, – do you think that there's a free will to it? Like, yes, I'm going to do this contract, or no, I'm not going to do this contract. Do you believe that we have some free will with accepting of that? Or, um, yes, I do think that one one thing that I have found in teaching psychic development classes is that I'll get a student that'll come in and they will just be phenomenal, really gifted, and like right off the bat, and you know they've been doing it their whole life, but. Oftentimes, Janice, when it it comes on strong like that, the student will stop taking classes, thinking that that's going to shut it all down. And uh, and they stay away from it for maybe two, three, four, five years, and then they come back to class and say, okay, I'm ready now. I wasn't ready before. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen yeah. that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where yeah. we just... We just say no. I'm not doing this. And um, and then you know what I found though, Janice, is that the it's like there's this calling inside, and it just doesn't go away. So at some point, um, I think for most of us, we just have to surrender to it. Right, right. I know I had a teacher that said you can run, but you cannot hide. You really <laughs> cannot hide when it comes like really, really strong. So. Uh huh. Well, I'm also interested about your Ghostbuster, that you're a Ghostbuster. Can you tell us what a Ghostbuster is and what that all involves? I sure can. Um, you know, Janice, really, how can you bust a ghost? Um, but yeah. it, 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 you know what? It's it's more like ghost counseling than ghost busting. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, it was funny because my brother and I, one night we went to get 
some ghosts out of this lady's house. And it was right after the Ghostbuster movie came out. And I, I looked at my brother and said, oh, my gosh, we're Ghostbusters. And we just laughed. You know, we just thought that was so funny. And then, I don't know, the newspaper or somebody here locally did a story on us, and they they were the ones that called us Ghostbusters. And so it just kind of stuck after that. And, um, you know, what what it really is is, okay, ghosts are souls of people who have not gone on to the other side. And so it all started, oh, gosh, girl, it, it started a long time ago. I'll tell you the first ghostbusting job I ever went on, and it was with my mom. And it was actually, I mean, I look back now, and I just I think, oh, my gosh. Um, we didn't know what we were. We had no idea what we were doing. And uh, a friend of my mom's knew that mom and I were in these psychic classes. Okay, and so she calls mom and says, would you and one of your kids come over to my house because there's voices in my attic and I don't know what it is and we're having weird things happen around the house. So mom said to me, okay, come on, honey, let's go out to Carol's house. Okay. So we're on our way out there and it's quite a drive out there. So I'm thinking, I said, mom, why are we going to Carol's house? And she said, well, she's, she's having weird things happen at her house. So I said, okay. Um, well, like what? Well, she hears voices and they hear footsteps and um, think something's turning the lights on and off. It's like, whoa. And so I said, well, Mom, you don't think we're looking for a ghost, do you? And she said, well, honey, you know, I don't know. So I sat there thinking for a while, and then I said, well, Mom, what does a ghost look like? And she said, you know, honey, I don't really know. And so, okay, we're driving some more, and I'm thinking, and I said, Mom, what are we going to do if we find one? And uh, she, she, she said, Honey, I don't really know. So so that gives you a great idea of uh, what we were up against. We just did not know. And so here's the other thing. Janice, I was raised on Casper, okay? Casper was this little white blobby guy who was, you know, cheerful and happy and so I had the notion in my mind that that's what we were going to find. If if we were going to find a ghost, it was going to be this white blobby thing. And um, so we get to Carol's house. We go upstairs. Now, by this time, Mom and I have each other totally scared. We're telling all kinds of stories and freaking each other out. And we go up to the attic, and I look around. I open up my third eye. I look around in the room, and, hmm. I see four people over in the corner of the room, but they're transparent. You can see through them. And I'm looking at these people, and I'm thinking, I wonder why those people are over there. And then I just continue to look in the room for the white blobby energy because I really, really thought that's what a ghost was. It never occurred to me that a ghost was the soul of an actual person. And so then I had the thought again. I looked back at those people, and I looked over at my mom, and she was looking at them too. And I thought, all right, why are those people over there? And then into my head came the words, he, what did she say? He, my husband was drunk and smoking a cigarette, he passed out. We all perished in the fire, and he won't let us go to the other side. And oh. I thought to myself, okay, where did those thoughts just come from? Holy smokes. And because her lips didn't move, and this is definitely when I was in the beginning stages of learning all of this. And so uh, I looked at mom, and mom had heard her also. And so. I said to mom, you know, what what should we do? And so it was either mom, I was probably my mom said to them, you know, you need to, you can't stay here. Um, You need to move on. We didn't even know enough to say move on into the light. And um, uh, so they, they did, they, they went through the wall and we thought, wow, well, that, okay. Took care of that problem, I guess. And, uh, then by the time we got home, Carol called and said, okay, all the voices are back and the footsteps are back. And, and Mom and I realized, okay, we really don't know what we're doing and we we need to learn about this before we go any further. And it was 
It was a few years later that a lady called me, and uh, she had to move out of her house because she said the ghost activity was so strong. And and I thought, oh, my gosh, okay. Uh, I had learned more by that point. My teacher had taught us more. but And Mom didn't want to have anything to do with ghosts. She's like, no, no, that, that was too scary for me. And um, so I called my little brother, Michael, and uh, he's nine years younger than I am, and I just said, are you... Are you able to see spirit? He said, yeah. And I said, will you go with me to this lady's house that's haunted? And he said, sure. <laughs> I said, okay. So, uh, and that's how it all started. And what we learned to do, it just was instinctive to when we saw a soul in a room, we would just walk up to the soul and say, okay, why are you here? And uh, what is your name? Why are you here? And that started the whole thing. We got rid of, uh, she had like 16 ghosts in her house. And we got rid of every one of them. We just talked them into the light because we could see the light and we could see the ghost as it moved through that tunnel and into the light. And so that's that's all that we needed to do. And then what we would do is we would burn some sage afterwards and just clear the house of uh, the fear and the anger in the house. You know, a lot of people think that if you burn sage, it'll get rid of the ghost, but it doesn't get rid of them. They might move out of the room just because of the smell, but they'll come right back. And what the what the sage did was it just clears the house of all the energy from the people. You know, people are are fearful and they get angry about it and uh, there's a lot of confusion and that's what the sage would do. And then we would be done. And it just, because of the publicity that we started getting way back in the 80s, we we were just swamped with um, people calling about haunted houses and it just kept on going and kept on going. Wow, wow. How awesome. You know, the stories that you're talking about right now are so awesome, especially about doing this with your mom. I Mm -hmm. mean, talk about a forerunner in psychic development and standing out and going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been really, really cool to do it as a family. You know, because, Janice, most psychics I know, they're the only one in the family. Or, you know, they'll say, well, I had a crazy Aunt Elsie that... Everybody used to say she read tea leaves, but nobody talked about it. So most psychics that I know feel really alone with it because they don't have anybody in their family they can talk to. And that's why I feel so privileged because I can, you know, when I get stumped with a client or if I go on a ghost busting, Janice, even an example, here's another example. My brother was out in California and uh, he was doing a ghost job out there. And he called me and said, Okay, sis. He was actually at Brad Pitt's house, and he was doing a ghost clearing. And he called me and said, sis, okay, I got got him down the hall. I got him in the kitchen. There's some in the bedroom and the bathroom. And he said, but would you just take a look and see what you see? And so I, sitting here in Minneapolis, was able to tune in and see exactly what my brother was seeing. And because um, he was having a problem with one of the female ghosts in one of the rooms. He couldn't really understand what she needed. And and then there was a guy uh, in another room that he was having problems with. And so we just talked about, okay, I think the best thing for this would be you need to say this, you need to say, okay. And then he would hang up. So we've been able to do that. I've been out of state doing you know, uh, I'll go out of state to do a workshop or something and somebody will ask me to come to their house and I'll call my brother and say, okay, will you just walk through with me? And he'll say, sure. So it it really works out well. Wow. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, so how how much are you working still? Are you working full time and still doing some of this stuff? Or do you have people underneath you? Know you? Um, I have... Right now, I have a teaching center here in the Twin Cities, and I teach psychic development classes and beginners and advanced, and I do healing workshops. Um, I don't, I don't do ghost postings anymore. I finally, I just burned out on it. It's like, oh my gosh, you guys, just go to the light and yeah. (laughs) 
Because, um, you know, they want to argue with you. They want to tell you, no, I don't want to go to the other side. My ex-husband's over there. I don't like him. And it's so, again, like I said earlier, it's more like ghost counseling because you're really you're sitting and you're talking with a ghost about, okay, now let's talk. Why won't you go? And um, so I hit a point, I think, oh, I, I would say it's been at least eight years where I said to my brother, oh, my gosh, I can't do this anymore. And so he still does the the ghost jobs, and I have taught students of mine how to do it. I've taken them with me and um, shown them how to get rid of the ghosts, how to communicate with them. And so now we've got some really good Ghostbusters here in the Twin Cities, and I just I refer everybody to them. Wow, wow, how wonderful. Yeah, well, I was watching one of your YouTubes. In fact, I watched a couple of them, and one of the uh-huh. YouTubes that I was watching, I loved. It was just a short kind of snippet when you were kind of passionately talking about how you wanted to start a revolution on developing people developing a relationship with their person's intuition. And you said, yeah. "Now is the time." Yes, can, you know. Can you speak about oh, why is now the time and what the, how that importance you know, really, really, is? Think about what's going on right now. You know, people are so freaked out about terrorists. And um, and if they, I just did a blog about this the other day, where if people would listen to their intuition, they would know if they were in a in a bad situation, in a situation where they needed to get out of there. Uh, they would know if, you know, if they were headed to a certain cafe in France, they would have had a sense of, no, don't go to that one. You know, our intuition does its best to protect us, and we all have this amazing still small voice inside, but oh, so few of us really trust it enough to act on it, and and then people end up regretting it. You know, how many times have we both heard people say, oh, I knew I was supposed to do that, or, you know, um, Doggone it, I had a feeling I wasn't supposed to do that, and they go ahead and do it anyway and then suffer consequences. So right now is a really important time because we need we need something to help us feel more grounded, help us know if we're in scary situations. You know, Friday night, here's an example. Friday night, I got on a plane for, um, where was I going? Uh, West Palm Beach, and... Janice, I had the oddest feeling in my intuition. And and I even asked my intuition. I was sitting there and I was saying, okay, are you telling me to get off the plane? Are you telling me something? And it, it felt like, no, you don't have to get off the plane, but uh, there's going to be an episode, okay? And so I just sat there and, and I, I was like, okay, Echo, come on now. You have to clear yourself of any fear and you have to be able to hear this clearly. And again, I said to my intuition, all right, I just want to make sure that you're not telling me to get off the plane because there's just an odd feeling here. And I was like, you're fine, but, okay. And so we go out on the tarmac. We're waiting for our signal to go. And all of a sudden, the plane starts to move, and they go back, back to the gate. And, hmm, okay, and... Uh, I don't want to go into the whole detail, but anyway, so we sat there for an hour, and they didn't come and tell us anything, and then finally uh, a flight attendant came back, and she took uh, a man off the plane. He went, you know, he was he he didn't fight with her, uh, but she escorted him off the plane to security, and security had come on board about three different times and gone in the cockpit, and then would leave again. And so the captain came out and he said uh, that the gentleman was taking a lot of pictures of the inside of the airplane. And he was a foreigner and it made people around him very nervous. And so one of them had let the flight attendant know. And because he didn't have any baggage, any luggage at all, nothing carry on, nothing, that was another red flag. And so, uh, they escorted him off the plane, and the captain said, okay, we're on our way now. And I still, my intuition was still acting funny. And I said to my intuition, okay, what? 
and it just felt like another episode. And I thought, oh, Echo, now you're just being, now you're just freaking out. You're just getting in your head. So we go out on the tarmac, and we're waiting for our, <laughs> we're waiting for our turn. And all of a sudden, we go back to the gate, and I'm like, oh my gosh, now what? And two women got up and got off the plane immediately. And the captain came out and said, all right, would anyone else like to get off of this flight? It's totally understandable. Um, if you'd like to get off, now is the time. And six people got up and got wow. off plane. Yeah. And after those six people got up and got off the plane, Janice, that funny feeling in my intuition went away. Hmm. And I knew everything was going to be okay now. And it was. We had to wait for another hour because of paperwork, um, and then they had to refuel. But still, there was a calmness inside the whole time. So that's what I mean is that if if we if we if everybody would listen to, you know, first of all, figure out how to hear their intuition, how to know when that still small voice is talking to us. And if we could learn to discern the difference between our emotions and that still small voice inside, uh, right now it would just be so valuable. It's valuable every day, really, for every kind of thing. But uh, right now, especially with so much fear going on in the world, uh, you know, uh, last night when when I got back to the airport to come home, uh, both United and Southwest planes were um, delayed almost two hours, and they said, you know, that they were having mechanical problems. But then when I got home and I saw the news last night, there was another, there was a, a, a bomb threat here at the Minneapolis airport. So it's that kind of thing, you know. Uh, and they, they said that they found out that it was just a threat. It wasn't anything real. But it's our intuition that would say, you're okay, you know, there's an episode here, but you're going to be fine. Or, you know, if my intuition had said get off the plane, I wouldn't have even hesitated. I would have just stood up and got off like those other people did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's I think what that's... I mean. It's like because we live in such a scary world right now, uh, it really helps people so that they don't have to live by fear. Yeah. But they can yes. live by that, that knowing on the inside. I think that's a great answer to that question because I think that, just as you said, people don't realize you can use it every day on anything, everywhere, mm-hmm. at all times. And yes. yes. And it is. If you trust that and you move when spirit tells you, get off, then get off. Yes. You know, don't go. Open. So, yep. yep, it's great. That's yep. Good. Well, I watched another video of yours and – what I thought was very interesting is I watched the one, and I don't know if you remember this one, where you were hooked up to a computer, and you were asked to do a reading on someone, and they were going to look at five different parts of your brain, Echo, yes. and when you were doing your work, and I thought that was really different. So you're, uh, when you do your work, and maybe perhaps, again, when anybody's doing their work, if they're psychic and have healing abilities, that their brain waves literally that are going through their head when they're tuned in, mm-hmm. something changes. Is that true? It definitely changed, yes. And you know what was so interesting about this, Janice, was that I had seen this episode on Dr. Oz where they did that to the uh, Teresa Caputo, the Long Island medium. And, oh, yes. Yeah, and I thought, well, isn't that interesting? Because Dr. Oz... His reaction was just so interesting to me. He was just shocked at the part of the brain, of her brain, that was activated when she did psychic work. And so there's this company here in the Twin Cities. They're nationwide, and they're absolutely wonderful people. But they do all this brain work. And I thought, I called them and said, okay, could we hook me up to, you know, some electrodes and see? Because I would really like to see if a part of my brain is activated. And it was interesting because the man who who invented this whole system, he had his idea of which part of the brain was going to get activated. And the woman here who runs the office, no, she had her idea of which part of the brain was going to get active. And 
As it turns out, it was, it's called the old brain, and it is the brain stem that was totally lit up when I was doing psychic work and healing work, which I thought was so interesting. And that's what the owner, uh, the man who, who created this brainwave uh, machine, that's what he thought it was going to be, was the old brain, the old brain, that's what they call it. The, and it's the brain stem, which is at the back of our head, obviously, down in our neck. Now, Janice, here's the other thing that I think is so cool, is that when I was in psychic development classes, my teacher used to tell us, to visualize putting something protective on the back of our neck. And she said that this was a very vulnerable spot for psychics. She didn't know why, but she said protect the back of your neck somehow when you're doing psychic work. And she said that that we can lose um, energy out of that part of ourselves. And I, I just thought, wow, that's just fascinating well it sure explained a lot to me because you know what i think every day i have to say when i'm psychic when i'm just sitting here in my office i'm working on a book right now and so i have to open up a lot right now when i'm just sitting here by myself and uh i inevitably always end up sitting here rubbing the back of my neck because it gets so sore after i do psychic work and now I understand why. And the other thing I've paid attention to is other psychics that I have gone to. A lot of them are sitting rubbing the back of their neck when they're doing a reading. So I just think that's very interesting. Very, very. You know, I had heard Echo that also like the top of the head, and that's why the Pope and and the nuns, and I don't know if you've ever heard that, is also protecting the very top of the head because there's that area um you know where babies little yeah uh, indentations that it gets thinner and thinner and thinner and our job is to kind of protect that top of the head when we're out in the, especially when we're out in the sun have you he- ever heard oh, that no also? i've never heard that before yeah, i mean i've heard that you know i've heard psychics say that the top of their head is extremely uh sensitive and the top of my head is very sensitive i don't like to wear a hat i don't like anybody to touch my head um so i don't know i it's just got to be part of the whole thing don't you think right i think so yes i think oh. so hmm. interesting i know well um i usually ask and i always tell people too that uh any of my guests that you want to pass on that lots of times what our guests our audience likes is somewhat of a taste of your work or um, to do a meditation, just a short meditation or teach us a mantra. Would you be willing Mm -hmm. to do that? Sure, I can do that. Can we do it um, closer to the end of the program? Absolutely, that would be great. Oh, good, okay, cool. Well, let's let's talk about your books then. is it true that you've written 11 books now? <laughs> yes, I have. Wow. Yes, I have. So that's Sometimes psychic. I wonder, are you crazy? But no, I, <laughs> yes, I have. And every time I finish a book, I tell myself, I'm never doing that again. And then, and then spirit calls, and it's like, oh, boy, here we go again. So, yes, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I your have. last book, your latest book that you have written and is published is now called What Happens When You Die. Is that true? Yes. What happens when what we what happens when we die? Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you share a little bit about what your belief is when we die? What's yes. Your um, I have worked with lots and lots of souls, people that are living, who are in their dying process, and they are the ones that have talked to me. Their souls have talked to me about the dying process, and um, it's just really interesting to see. You know, usually about three to six months before we pass, our soul starts doing a lot of traveling back and forth to the other side, um, just getting ready to make that change. And most souls, you know, oh gosh, <clears throat> there's so much to say about it, Janice. Um, but most souls, when we pass out of the body, our soul, okay, first of all, 
people have this fear about dying alone. They don't want to be alone. And and what I have learned is that even if a person is physically alone in the room when they die, they have several deceased loved ones there with them. And, uh, and those deceased loved ones are taking them by the hand, maybe carrying them over to the other side, but nobody ever dies alone. Again, maybe physically, but not uh, soulfully. They're always, they've always got someone with them when they go over. And, and then we go over to the other side, and, you know, the first, about the first 24 hours after our death, I've been able to tune into the soul on the other side pretty easy. They're still real easy to communicate with. And then it it seems like day two, day three, day four, they are almost like it's it's almost like the door closes and then they're in a resting time uh getting ready when they kind of come to after the fourth or fifth day. Um, that's when they come back and they um, attend, we attend our own funeral. And we usually come back with a lot of our deceased relatives because really, if you think about it, it's like a big family reunion. And a lot of our loved ones on the other side like to come here and attend the funeral, you know, with the deceased, with the one that's just passed. So it ends up being quite a family affair friends come and um there's a lot more going on than what we're actually seeing at the funeral home um and then <clears throat> after that again this is kind of just a general statement uh because it it is different for every soul but after that you know we slowly begin our process of letting go uh more letting go of our life here on earth and um an acceptance like a surrender of where we're at now and starting our new life on the other side. Hmm. But there are lots of stories, lots of stories inside the book about, you know, just different scenarios that I've experienced. Um, People think that people have the idea that when we die, you know, we're all real happy that we died. And and that's just not the case. You know, the soul grieves the loss of its life and of its loved ones. And and we all go through a grieving when we get on the other side. So it's -hmm. it's not this ideal, fantastic fantasy of, oh, I'm free, yippee-skippy. It's everybody just goes through it different. You know, some are very happy, some are sad. Uh, just kind of like whatever we are in in life is how we're going to be in death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you think happens to, this is kind of touchy for a lot of people, so what do you think happens to the soul when they do commit suicide or take their own life? Well, what I've seen is there's a hospital on the other side, and and they showed me the inside of the hospital one time where the whole second floor of the hospital is dedicated to souls that have committed suicide. And um, as soon as, okay, if a, when a soul commits suicide, what what I have seen is that a lot of them are shocked that it actually happened. You know, they they wanted it to happen, and yet they didn't really want it to happen. And so they're they're very surprised when their soul comes out of their body and they're like, well, w- w- wait a minute, you know, I mean, yeah, I wanted relief. Yeah, I needed a break, but um, but I didn't mean it for this long. Okay, so I see that a lot in so- suicide people. Um, others are, are in a state of confusion for a while, but everybody that commits suicide is allowed to go right back home to the other side, you know, they're not kept out in this place of limbo where they're supposed to suffer. Um, it's not like that at all. They've already suffered a lot and or they wouldn't be in that place. And um, so everybody is welcomed home. And then for those people, they are given a caregiver to just be with them for a while, help them through this. Um, and the one the one common comment that I hear from people that have committed suicide is that they wanted relief. They were tired of the bill collectors. You know, they were afraid their house was going to get 
uh, foreclosed on. Uh, bill collectors were driving them nuts. They hated their job. They they were upset that their husband wanted a divorce. Uh, but it never occurred to them that suicide would be forever. A lot of these folks say to me, you know, I just I just needed a break, and um, uh, and that's the hard part for them is realizing that when they do take their own life, that's the end of that life. It isn't like they can just put their body on hold and then come back a few months later when they're feeling better. Right. So there's right. a lot. You know, they get a lot of help over there. Mhm, mhm. Yeah. It's interesting, Echo. I have a couple of Muslim friends who um, are psychic, and they said to me that very same thing that you just said. That they said that there's a hospital over there. They've been okay. in that hospital, and they said mm-hmm. the same thing. There's a floor just dedicated to those souls, and um, and that everybody uh, who has something going on with them, they w- would enter into this into these hospitals that kind of helps the soul get renewed and refreshed and, and learn what they need to learn. So good. Um, interesting. I'm That's very, very interesting. Yeah. Good. So have you yourself ever had a near death experience? I have not. Um, I have okay. been allowed to go to the other side. My soul has gone over there when I was conscious of the whole experience and I was given a tour of the other side that is in that story is in a couple of my books, Echoes of the Soul and What Happens When We Die. Um, but I've never had a near death. Mm-mm. What kind of book are you working on right now? You know what? It's a book about Jesus. And what I'm doing is I am going through, oh, gosh, girl, you should see the stack of books I've got here. But what I want to do is I, I want to go through all the things that he said. I want to write them down. And I'm reading books, all the books on that, that, okay, because he spoke Aramaic, the, the books that I'm reading are the Aramaic translations. It's from Aramaic to English, the translations of what did he really say and what did that particular thing mean. And um, they had a lot of, uh, well, like we do too, a lot of slang expressions that we aren't taught in church when we're growing up. And so we think that a lot of these things are, um, I wish I could think of one right now because there's so many of them, but um, uh, like, for example, uh, when in in Aramaic, when they say, um, let's go walk down by the water, they say, let's go walk down on the water. Okay, and so, uh, you know, we all hear about stories about Jesus walking on water. And uh, this, I was reading last night, this guy said, um, you know, that that's exactly how they would have said it back then. Jesus was walking on the water. But he said in Aramaic translation, that means he was walking by the water. Okay, Mm -hmm. so there's all these little idioms that I'm reading about, learning about, and... um, and what I'm doing is I'm just I'm taking each one and I just sit and meditate on it and just ask, okay, how could this be uh, interpreted in today's language to help all the people today that are living in so much fear and loneliness and angst? And that's what I'm working on. Wow. Quite a little Wonderful. book. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, tell us a little bit about your online classes that you have at your Spiritual Center for Development. You know what, sweetie? It's really cool. Honestly, Janice, we have had so many people from around the planet that have taken these classes, and then they end up, you know, being buddies. It's so cool. You can take – oh, my gosh, girl. I mean, we've had – oh, my gosh, we've had people from everywhere, and and then they end up – they. They end up emailing each other, becoming friends. It's just the sweetest thing. And so what it is is I I made a series of videotapes of teaching. And um, and I have a young woman named Lee Hopkins, and she's Viva Institute is no longer in Brazil. It's now back in the United States. But um, she she is a former elementary school teacher, 
she's a really good teacher. So they we use my videos to teach the classes, and then she's kind of the moderator. She, you know, we've got a Facebook page where just the students can come and they interact with each other. They do psychic exercises every week, and um, uh, it's a great. It's a six week class, and then we have a level two class also. It's a great way for people who, you know, there's little towns all over the world there's big towns all over the world that don't have anything like this and so this is a great way for people to be able to understand what their psychic abilities are and how to develop them it's just it's just really cool i i love i love the fact that they connect with each other you know one's in australia one's in ireland there's another one in germany it's it's just like oh this is just so cool so yep, that's what yep. it is yeah, yeah, great, great, great. So before we go into the meditation, would you like to let our audience know how they can get connected with you? Um, um, what your uh, website is? I have a website. It's echobodine.com. Um, there, you know, there's blogs. There's, um, oh, gosh, there's just a list of everything that goes on around here. I don't know what else to tell you, sweetie pie. It's, I, yeah. You know, I yeah. keep everything pretty simple these days. I love it. I love that about you. I love that about you. We, we will definitely put your uh, website on our um, uh, Pure Hope Show and on our um, website as well for the Interfaith Center here. So if anybody wants to get a hold of Echo, uh, we will repeat that website on our um, and it is a great, I've listened and i watched many of your YouTubes, and it's all really, really good and exciting stuff. So Thank you. Um, Thank you. So Thank let us, you. Let us end um, with just a small, or whatever you choose to share with our uh, audience tonight. And All right, sweetie. I wish I had some relaxing music for you that I could play in the background, but I don't. That's I think okay. it's all over the center. Okay. So what? Here's <clears throat> here's what I usually um, end. Oh. I used to have a blog talk show, and I always ended it with a meditation. And what I do is I just play some very relaxing music, and usually I just suggest to people to light a candle if they want. And first things first is it's to close your eyes and simply ask God or the universe to please clear you right now. Just say, please clear me. And then ask, please clear my mind, please clear my mind of all the clutter. Please clear my body. Please clear your body of any energy that you have picked up from other people today. Clear your body. And please clear your soul Clear your soul of any blocks to your spiritual development. Take a nice, relaxing breath and just let your body sink a little bit deeper into that chair. And just ask the universe, please clear my aura. Please clear the energy around your body. And then take another relaxing breath. And I want you to drop your attention down to the area between your heart and your belly button. Inside your soul, which is inside of your body, inside between your heart and your belly button, there is a light that light has been inside of you since the day your soul was born. And in that light is the voice of God, which is what your intuition is. What you need to do every day is sit down, close your eyes, clear your body, your mind, and your soul, and then you go inside to that very beautiful divine spark within you. 
You check in in the morning. You say, good morning, God. How are you doing today? What What would you like me to know about today? And you just sit and you give it maybe half a minute. It doesn't have to be long. But what will happen is that you'll you'll get hunches. You'll get feelings. Thoughts will come in. Pictures will come in. And those are your psychic abilities. God talks to us through both our intuition and our psychic abilities. And if nothing comes, that's fine. But you've connected with that divine part of yourself. And then you can get up and you can start your day. And any time during the day when you feel hassled or rushed, just quick step and check in with that divine spark. Ask if there's anything you need to know or do. And relax, just relax with that special time. And then, if no guidance comes, that's fine. But again, you've connected with that spark of divinity. And then you go on about your day. And again, you check in at the end of the day. That's what you do. That's all you need to do to stay focused and grounded. If your body is not feeling grounded, if you're feeling very scattered, then visualize energy coming out of your feet and going down into the ground and wrap around some big tree roots. And that helps your body feel safe and anchored to the earth. So this is what you, these are two very valuable things that you can do throughout the day. You can always ask that divine light to show you the truth of any situation, any time you need guidance, you need any kind of help, you go inside to that divine spark of light. And the more you connect with it, the bigger that light gets until the time comes when that light is now surrounding your entire body and you live from that state of grace. And that's what I want you to remember every day for the rest of your life. Always connect with the divine spark and you will be given all the guidance that you need. Okay? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome, honey. Thank you for being on our program tonight. I deeply appreciate it. I know it's right before Thanksgiving. We're doing this pre-recording, so I know you just got back from a long trip, and so I I thank you for saying yes to the program and for the mission of this program. So You're very uh, welcome. Thank you for having me on. Yes. Have a very merry, uh, well, happy holidays uh, and Thanksgiving thank um, as we end this, this year. So thank, thank you so you. much. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Janice. Yes. Good night. Echo Bodine has helped thousands of clients find their own North Star. She has helped them know how to navigate their lives. And for this, I am thankful to have such a warrior-spirited woman on the program tonight. She has went through her own struggles, and she never, ever gave up. The world is a better place because of Echo Bodine. And we uh, will have all of her information on our website. To learn more about her, to learn more about the Hope Interface Center, or more about the Pure Hope Show, please go to www.interfaithcenter.com. Kiss on Facebook, or you can call Jody, my assistant, at 507 Three eight six one two four two. Since it is Thanksgiving, I certainly would like to thank all of our listeners who tune in to our show tonight. And if you have found it to be helpful, it is uh, a request that I ask. Please pass it on to another on your Facebook. Just as Echo stated about wanting to start a revolution from within, I also invite you to help me start a revolution 
to listen to these programs that are free of charge and are created to help bring more light into this world. In this month of November, I do feel a lot of gratitude for all of you, but also especially for those who are at the Hope Interface Center who always, always are helping me with my mission. My grateful gratitude always goes out to Jody Schultz, who is always by my side helping me. She is my personal assistant and the assistant to many, many of you who call the Hope Interface Center, as well as to Tom Westland, who has been with us from the very beginning to help me create these shows on the Pure Hope Show. Please tune in next month when you will be having we will be having Carrie Chapman on our program. She will be talking about what 2016 will be bringing us, as well as helping us to understand um, many, many things on uh, about uh, our oversoul, walk-ins, what a city of light is, and some of her exciting work of what she's doing as she's anchoring in cities of light. She runs the Namaste Healing Center as an energy worker, teacher, author, and a dear, dear friend. So please, please join us next time. I will carry you with you with me in my heart until we meet again. Namaste, namaste, and happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and have a very merry, merry Christmas. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hope by Rev. Janice Hope Gorman. And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. Be kind. Be gentle. Be loving. Be true.